Yes. If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pop on Film. I mean, who is it now, nowadays in this day and age? But only real fans of the show, true hardcore fans that have been with us since day one, ride or die fans of the Pope on Film podcast would know the two truths about us. Two yes. undeniably real and not made up on the spot facts about the both of us, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, is the fact that you are a successful romance novelist in your spare time. So tell us, Bunny, what are some of the titles you've been working on lately? Uh, well, they're all romance novels, but they're highly specialized romance novels. They're romance novels at the slug and cosplay slug community. So yes. like either either real slugs or people who enjoy dressing as slugs and having sex as Love slugs. Us. So that yes, is mostly what what these romance novels are geared towards. So uh so so there's Betty gets salty which is Ooh. which is Oh. It's a romance, but it's kind of a fatal attraction sort of a thing. You know? um, I gotta fan myself. I'm getting the vapors because your book is so hot, Bonnie. Yes. Uh, then I have a a, a kind of a, a fanfic. Uh, yeah. Maybe not quite a fanfic, like. Slugs don't like Crispin Glover. Okay, I think that I think this has been well yeah. established. So, so it, it's it's yeah, a romance that. novel that it centers around Crispin Glover, but that's not like the romance. But he's like just the big villain. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Those are some good. Those are some good titles. I can't wait to read both of those on my. Uh, on my Amazon Fire. Yeah, it's it's kind of a niche market, you know. But it's a growing it's a growing market. Yes, it's it a is. growing market. Yes, it Slug is. Slug porn is is going to be the next furry. You, you know? know how like like Troll Two started by people like inviting friends to watch it in their basement, and then they would have little parties, little watch parties, and it, yeah. then it kind of grew from the same thing with the slug community. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're a you're a successful romance novelist for a reason because you capture the zeitgeist of America. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. No problem. And you can use that for a book jacket. And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it. But I'm also a storyteller, a raconteur. So what I do at this part of the show is I look through the history books and try and find something, maybe something that people don't know, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. So that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Dun. Dun, 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 dun. 
or shat, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It's short, direct, and to the point, just like everyone I've ever dated, including Tom. Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be discussing the 100% true story of the British Invasion Band that somehow inexplicably gave birth to one of America's most rednecky bands of the 80s. Okay. The, yes, the British Invasion, a term that refers to a period of the 1960s where British music and British culture flooded into popularity in America, which makes a lot of sense uh, in a thematic sort of way because a lot of British rock bands like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, they developed a love of music from growing up listening to records of American rock acts like Buddy Holly and Elvis and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And since we're on the topic, since we're on the topic, to be clear, American rock acts like Elvis and Buddy Holly uh, created rock and roll by stealing uh, rock and blues from black people. So to be clear, black people invented rock and roll, but that's not the focus, the 100% focus of this chef. It's just a fun side street that I wanted to do. So uh, the point is, is that suddenly... British music and British artists become popular in the United States in the 1960s. And I fully understand, because if you're a young person in America and it's like, hey, young kids, hey, teens, you want some music? Well, cool. Rock out to the totally swinging music of Fabian. <laughs> And it's like, hey, do you want us? Do you want some uh, some women to rock with? Well, here's one, Annette Funicello, sort of like safe and wholesome yeah. act, and Disney approved and sanitized, pretty boy sort of acts. So American youth took to British music as a sort of counterculture thing with acts like The Who and the, the Hollies and the Animals and the Kinks. And I really like the Kinks. Hey, if you're a director and you can't afford the Beatles, there's always the Kinks. Yes. Fun fact about uh, since we're on the subject of British invasion bands, when the Kinks were first starting out, uh, at, in their high school, in their prep school in England, they tried out a number of different singers, including, for a time, a fellow classmate of theirs named Roderick Stewart. Okay. And the Kings passed on Roderick Stewart, and so Roderick formed his own band called Rod Stewart and the Moonrakers, and although there's no record of it, I'd like to think that Rod Stewart had that dramatic scene of like, fine, you're going to pass on me as the lead singer of the Kinks? Well, you'll see, you'll see, I'll start my own band and write my own music, and one day you'll see my name on the lights, or my name's not Rod Stewart, slams door. Yeah. You know, there's no record of that happening. 
but that in my mind that totally happened. Like Dave Mustaine was in early Metallica until yeah. he quit. And in my mind, it's like, fine, you guys don't want me in Metallica? Well, I'll make my own metal band and we'll be mega death. It will be harder than you. And you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> so, it, like, that scene keeps playing in my head over and over again of yeah. Rod Stewart. And, it's, and they had a friendly rivalry, the Kinks and Rod Stewart. And I'd like to think that Rod Stewart is there. I'm like, hey, Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve with Rod Stewart. And Rod Stewart's there in front of a million people on Times Square. And he's like, Hello, everybody. I just like to say Happy New Year and fuck you, the Kinks. <laughs> you're in this goddamn stage. No, you're not. I'm Rod Bleeding Stewart. Anyway, um, but 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 this was all just a setup. Shap isn't about Roderick Stewart or the Kinks. It's about another British music band. Uh, uh, known as the Zombies. The Zombies. Okay. Funny. This is this is my thesis that I am hoping to prove. Okay. okay. Beyond the fact that the band The Zombies led to the formation of one of the most American bands of the 1980s. That's just a fun footnote. My thesis is the Zombies were zombies. Okay. The zombies were a band that died and came back to life. Actual zombies. Okay? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So this is so so this is my theory. This is the story of the zombies rise and fall and rise and how the band's breakup led to the creation of an 80s American rock band. And I feel like I'm jinxing myself saying this, but I, I, I also feel pretty confident that no one would guess the band. Okay. That the zombies helped uh, birth. But the zombies were a British, British group. They were formed in 1962. Their album, Odyssey and Oracle, is number 100 on Rolling Stone's official list of the top 500 greatest albums of all time. Yeah. The zombies are a big deal. The band was originally called the Mustangs and was formed by a wannabe musician, singer, songwriter named Rod Argent. His yeah. last name was Argent, and that's important to the story. Yes. Rod Argent. So uh, Rod Argent wrote uh, a good chunk of the music for the band. He was also the keyboardist for the band. Paul Arnold was a band member, and he came up with the name The Zombies because they were originally called The Mustangs, but there were a lot of bands called The Mustangs, and they were like, well, we need a name. That that is unique, and uh, this bandmate Paul Arnold were like, "How about the, the new originals?" And like, taken. Yeah, yeah. So then they came up with the new originals, and so yeah, so uh, Paul Arnold came up with the name the Zombies, and he would leave the band soon after that. The Zombies had an ever rotating list of band members, which is also kind of an important part because of what happens later. Yeah. So the Zombies are a British band, Young Mop Toppers, 
and uh, they're they're doing concerts and trying to get their name out there. And then the London Evening News has a musical competition. Uh, and they're like, oh, we're going to find uh, Britain's next big band. Come to our, we're having a contest, and they enter the contest. The zombies enter the musical competition, and they win, and now their name is in the front page of the London Evening News, and they're really getting their name out there, so they sign with Decca Records shortly after the contest, and in 1964, they released their first single, She's Not There, which is a big hit. Yes. And a great song. Not the way she looks. Yeah, it's a great song. Mm-hmm. She's not there. It's a, it's a really good song. And it becomes a big hit in the UK and also in the US. And the next thing you know, these young mop toppers are touring America. And while they're in the US, they release their second sing- single, Tell Her No, which is another hit. Okay, let me, let, me, let me interject here just a little because I, I, I do like the zombies. But... <clears throat> But I, I've been working on the on the audio section of my Plex server for music and things like that. Um, yeah. So now I have like a new music classification in my head. You know. Okay. Like I need all of the Beatles. Yeah. Like there's no Beatles I can. I need all of Zeppelin. I need all of Queen. Zombies. Greatest hits will do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like. Yeah, I have, I have uh, all of the Beatles, all of uh, a tribe called Quest, all of the White Stripes. I have a Red Hot Chili Peppers greatest hits album. Yes, exactly. Makes perfect sense. But also, the Zombies only had about two albums. Yes. So getting the the zombies discography wouldn't be that big of a thing for you. Yeah. I think technically they released three albums, but, but the third one's a bit of a stretch, but yeah. So, so, so their second single, tell her, no, tell her, no, no, no. That's another hit for them. And the zombies are flying high. They have two hits. They're touring America. They're still super young. And so they go back to the UK and they release their first album called Begin Here. What a great name for your first album. What a great name for your first album. Oh, this is our first album. It's called This Is The First. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Be sure to look for our upcoming second album. It will be called Number Two. Yes. You know? That's the Zeppelin style. Yeah, yeah. In 1965, they released their first album, Begin Here. I I really like the song from that album, The Way I Feel Inside, which was in both the Life Aquatic and the animated movie Sing, which the kids like. Yeah. Uh, The gorilla sings it. Uh, The way I feel inside. Should I try something? Uh, So... Their first album is a mix of new music written by Rob Argent and uh, one other person and also some bluesy covers. And it sells pretty good, but no hit singles, no breakout songs. Uh, They keep writing music through 1965 and 1966, trying to match the, the hit 
making potential of their first two hits, she's not there and tell her no. And just there's no there's no singles. There's no hits. Yeah. They're their their first two singles are still very, very popular, but all of the new music that they're coming up with, and they're coming up with a ton of new music, and Rob Argent is writing a ton of new music. There's just no hits there, and the studio's getting kind of upset. So they leave Decca Records, and they sign up with CBS Records. CBS is like, okay, maybe the problem is just that, you know, maybe, I don't know, Decca wasn't taking you seriously. We're going to take you seriously. We're sending you to Abbey Road Studios. It's the okay. best studio. And we're going to give you carte blanche and you're going to create your masterpiece, your epic album. And so they go to work on their big, huge, epic second album. And this one is bigger and they're taking it more seriously. And it's a it's a bit of a new direction, a new departure, because this one is big in scope and in soul. And so they release their second album in April of 1968. It is called Odyssey and Oracle. And nowadays people see it as one of the best albums of all time. Uh, and it's seen as a classic album. Really? But in April of 1968, no one gave two fucks for Bella. <laughs> it didn't sell. There were no breakout singles. It was not a hit. It didn't get a lot of radio time. And they are bummed as fuck because they've been writing music through 1965 and 1966 and 1967. And finally, they have their big record and they release it to little to no fanfare. They release one single in 1968. And it, it, it's like the bottom of the charts. And no one cares about this song that they release in April of 1968. Okay. It was not a hit. The studio was upset. It seemed like a sad defeat. The record barely sold. The band tried to release a third album, but it didn't happen. Eventually, that third album did come out. It came out in Japan, but then, uh, yeah, so uh, technically there's a third album out there, but it didn't happen at the time. And so in eventually... At, in 1968, the zombies disbanded, they broke up, and this is just the start of the story. Yeah. Okay? The zombies have broken up. So Rod Argent, who wrote a good chunk of the hits, formed a second band, appropriately titled Argent, and they were successful in their old, in their own right. They sang that goddamn 70s song. Hold your head up. Boys. Okay. Hold your head up. Yeah, that was that was a big hit. Here you go, Jane. Yeah. Play that. It's super loud and I'm doing the podcast. Okay. So 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 yeah, so Argent from the zombies went on to have their own career and a number of hits. And then when Argent like started uh, not having hits in the in the late seventies, early eighties, Argent went on to write music for movies and TV shows. So the guy had a big career, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, and also the band Argent wrote and and recorded in the seventies the original song "God Gave Rock and Roll to You." Which Kiss would later cover for the second Bill and Ted movie. Yeah. 
so Argent was was a big success. The rest of the band went their separate ways too. Two of them went to work for Columbia Records. Another one helped Rod Argent write songs for Argent. One retired from music. One got a job in insurance. And then something weird happened. Okay. And broke up. Everyone went their separate ways. And uh, all the record company CBS Records has is this second CD that didn't sell. And I mean, we released a single in April of 1968, but it's this weird hippie song and no one's going to like it. And, you know, but but then 1968 comes and goes and still this single is on the bottom of the charts and nobody cares and it's barely getting any airplay. And then the year changes and it's 1969 okay. and there's social unrest and there's civil unrest there's violence and protests in the streets there are hippies drug culture lsd people are protesting hippies yippies drugs there are flower people wearing flowers in their hair and young people are looking for a song that will define them and define their culture and define the era. And they find that in the song, the one song from the Zombies album, Odyssey and Oracle, that they released in a, as a single in 1968. And no one gave a shit about the song. Even the studio was like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to be a hit. No one's going to care about this. What was the name of the song again? Oh, yeah. It's the time of the season of loving. What the fuck even is that? Oh, yeah. Who gives a shit? This is not going to be a hit. But then 1969 rolls around and suddenly this old, like, year-old single is the most popular freaking song in America. Yeah. It is a huge hit. Everyone's playing it. And this song from a broken up band becomes the song that basically defines the entire 1960s. <laughs> This is basically the theme of 1969, the theme of the entire decade. And the company is like, damn it, this is so huge. We're selling so much, so many copies of Odyssey and Oracle. So many people love this single. And and and, and suddenly the, the zombies are a big hit and people want the zombies to tour. Okay, let's go to Rod Argent. Hey, Rod Argent, you guys got to bring the zombies back together. Because uh, you have a huge, like, number one hit single and everyone wants you to tour. And Rod Argent is like, uh, okay, two things. Number one, fuck. Number two, you. <laughs> Broke the fuck up. I have a second band. I have Argent now. And I'm not going to go touring for with the zombies. The band broke up. We are dead. We are dead. And there is no bringing the zombies back to life. Yeah. Well, what is a studio to do when all of uh, the planet wants a band to tour, but the band doesn't exist? Well, uh, here's the thing. Let's really think about this, okay? Uh, who even knows who the fuck the zombies are? Really? I mean, could like, like, uh, 
besides Rod Argent, no right. one knows who, who the drummer of the zombies are. No one could pick out the bassist of the zombies from a lineup. No, I don't. I don't think so. I. I... I, I think if you showed me a picture of the turtles and said this was the zombies, I'd be all right. Yeah, yeah. And and also, when the band was around, there was always a rotating list of people. Oh, we replaced this drummer with this drummer. We replaced this uh, guitarist with this other guitarist. They were always changing bandmates. So, you know what? Someone got an idea. Um, why don't we the Archies this bitch? <laughs> Because the Archies were a fake band comprised of Archie, Betty, Veronica, and freaking Jughead. But they got a s huge smash hit out of Sugar Sugar. So we got some session people together and said, hey, you're the Archies now. Go tour. We yeah. own the, the zombies. Can we do that? And so they got some, some uh, people together, uh, some uh, session people, and we're like, hey. You're the zombies now. Go on tour. America is waiting to eat you up. But it wasn't the zombies. It was the fake zombies. Okay. So in 1969, the zombies came back to life. And basically, zombie the zombies. Yes. Zombieception. This is zombieception because the band the zombies died and then came back to life as fake zombies. So in 1969, there were two different fake zombie bands that were touring America. The, <laughs> of just session people that were like, here, put on this suit, uh, pretend to be British. You're the zombies now. So they got a, there were two bands that toured in 1969 and 1970 and 1971 and 1972. Uh, one of the fake zombie bands were a group of uh, session uh, musicians from Michigan. And important, the other fake zombie band were a bunch of uh, session musicians from Texas. Okay. So uh, fake zombies. This is, this is ironic that there were fake zombies running all over the place. This is exactly what Alanis Morissette sang about. This chap is like rain on your wedding day. It's a free ride when you've already paid. So, <laughs> so yeah, this is, so here's the crazy part. So here's the crazy part. The seventies happen and the fake zombies are touring and they're touring 1970, 1971, 1972. And then finally, you know, after a while, like mid-70s, late-70s, the studio says, okay, time of the season is dying down. You fake zombies, you're no longer the zombies anymore. You guys can go your separate ways. And one band says, okay, well, that was fun. Okay, let's go back to our regular lives. And the other band from Texas is like, okay, let's go our separate ways. But two people from the Texas group the fake zombies from Texas are like, hey, uh, I was I was the drummer. You were the bass player. Like, uh, we had fun, right? Wasn't that fun being the zombies and touring and, uh, you know, having crowds? And that, that was so much fun that I don't want to just go back being a session musician let's start our own band 
Okay. You know, it's the late 70s. We're no longer the zombies anymore, but that was really fucking fun. Let's start our own band. So the bassist, a guy named Dusty Hill, and the drummer, a guy named Frank Beard, started their own band. And they're looking for a name. They're like, okay, we got a band. We need a name. And they have a shitty small apartment, and the walls are just covered in concert posters. And they're looking at the concert posters, and they're like, well, uh, okay, so we're trying to come up with a name for our band. And, like, look. You see all the names of people who use initials? We should be an initial band. We should have initials in our band. Because so many people, like, look, there's ZZ Hill and yeah. there's B.B. King. There you go. That's our band name. We'll combine those two together. Our name is ZZ King. And uh, But then they're like, oh, wait, that's too similar. There's another There's another band that is similar to ZZ King. We need something. We, we got to lose the king. So then, uh, like the 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 bassist is like, well, the king is like he's he's the he's the top of the chain, you know. He there's no one higher than the king. He's the top. Okay, so that's how they came up with their band name, ZZ Top. Okay, and they became so so the people who wrote and. Uh, and Legs. She's got legs and she knows how to use them. They yeah. were a fake zombies band. <laughs> nice. That blows my mind that ZZ Top was created because a studio wanted to create a fake band for It's the Time of the Season of Loving. I am blown away by this. And now like, suddenly I recognize their names too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's incredible. So ZZ Top started out as a fake zombies band. Like, even, like, that's the icing on the cake. Because I think the story of the zombies is already a really good story. But the fact that somehow the, the band The Zombies gave birth to ZZ Top, that's just... Yes. The that's the exclamation point at the end of the sentence, and I know I've said this before, but I will say it again. I'm kind of shocked that people don't know this story because this yes. shit is fascinating. That is a damn good story. Absolutely fascinating. I love you, Amber. Have fun at work. Hey, you got some time off after this. Oh yay! Love you. Have a good day. So that's it for Steve's historic approximations this week. Oh, yeah. Next week, we will be discussing a woman who I have dubbed the killer of boats. Okay. Uh, Violet the boat killer. That is our... Okay. Go, go, guys. So that's our story for next week. Violet the boat killer. I'm very excited for that one. So join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's historic approximations. Mm. And on that.